following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our first reading this morning is from Psalm 103, and that is on page 605. Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires and good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, but repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And our second reading is in the New Testament. It's Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owned him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servants fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owned him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's great to be with you, great to be with you uh, here in church, great to be with joining with you online. And uh, should we just begin with a word of prayer? Our Lord, we thank you for your word uh, through which 
Our teaching of our Lord Jesus is recorded for us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who enabled this to be recorded and your Spirit who works through us today as we hear your word to us afresh. By your Spirit, speak into our hearts, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, Donald Fear, a teacher from Telford, became the sixth person to win the top prize of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? The final question was, in 1718, which pirate died in the battle off the coast of what is now North Carolina? And the choices were A, Calico Jack, B, Blackbeard, C, Bartholomew Roberts, or D, Captain Kidd? Which answer are you going to go for? Do you need to phone a friend? Uh, go 50-50? Is that your final answer? The correct answer is B, Blackbeard. So you don't win anything, you're going to get it right. It's such a disappointment, isn't it, really? But what struck me about the newspaper reports, other than the fact that Donald Fear celebrated his million-pound victory by coming on holiday here to the Northeast, yes, was what he said he was going to do with the money. The Times report finished like this. Mr. Fear said he did not plan to remain a millionaire for long, as he intended to, and I quote, give loads of it away. Other newspapers quoted a figure of 70% that he was going to give to others, some to his children and the rest to charity. He received much, but he wanted to pass it on. He had a million pounds in his pocket, but he felt he had to share it. That story uh, rang echoes for me as I was mulling over the gospel reading for us today from Matthew 18 verses 21 to 35. It's one of Jesus' most compelling parables, the parable of the unforgiving servant. It's a story of fantastic sums of money, bags of gold, and extreme and even violent behavior. It's intended, I think, to, to shock and make us think. I suspect it did Peter, you know, uh, who, who heard it in the first place when he asked Jesus a question about forgiveness in the church. Jesus had been teaching the disciples, as we looked at last week, about how to handle sin in the church, about the process through which someone who has sinned might be restored to fellowship. And Peter asked the obvious question, hang on, how many times are we going to go through this loop? Up to seven times? Jesus' answer can be translated either 77 or 7 times 7. The point is exactly the same. Then he's meant to go through this loop on a scale that Peter has never even thought of. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us about Peter's face, but we can imagine a mixture of shock and concern. Really? Really? What, you mean, like, keep going through the same loop? And that's why Jesus tells us the parable, tells Peter the parable. It's a story of receiving and passing on. Hence the echoes with the story of Donald Fear. And I think the punchline is there in, verses 30, in verse 33, where the king says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? 
In other words, it's a story about receiving and passing on. It's a story about being forgiven as well as doing the forgiving. It's a story about being forgiven as well as doing the forgiving. That's what Jesus wants Peter to understand. The thing that really matters is about the being forgiven. So I'm going to look at this little story under two headings, receiving forgiveness and recycling forgiveness. Receiving forgiveness and recycling forgiveness. So first, receiving forgiveness. The scene, it takes place in the king's chamber where the servant owes a fantastic debt, an amount he could never repay. I wonder slightly how we've gotten to that problem in the first place, but we... The parable doesn't explore that for us. Anyway, he begs for mercy, falls to his knees in desperation. And the scene ends in Jesus' words, the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Now, Jesus does not have to make the connection that would have been clear to Peter and any first century believer about what was in view here. The picture is of every human being before God. And the debt is not a financial one, but the debt of sin. The burden that each person carries for turning their back on God and going against his ways. But it's a point that possibly needs remaking today. Our culture is so good at spotting the sins of others the sins of those living 200 years ago, the sins of our political opponents, the sins of others on social media, that we need reminding, it seems to me, that we are all in the same boat. We are all sinners in need of forgiveness. We all have a debt to pay before a holy God. We have all gone our own way, some of us very publicly, some of us very respectably. But we are all in the throne room of God needing his mercy. It's sometimes hard, especially for religious people, to get this. People who work quite hard at trying to live a good life. But it is vital that we do. The great German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this about religious people. He says, this is the grace of the gospel which is so hard for the pious to understand that it confronts us with the truth and says, you are a great sinner, a great desperate sinner. Now come as the sinner you are to the God who loves you. Because here's the wonderful thing. God behaves to us just like the king in that parable. As we ask for mercy, we look up to see Jesus on the cross, paying the price for our sin, dying the death we deserve to die, forgiving us, washing us, gracing us, loving us. This is the jackpot. This is the million pounds in our pocket. Not because we've answered any questions right, but simply because we've received mercy. If you've knelt before the throne of grace and looked to Jesus, then this is your story. You've received forgiveness. One of the most well-known gifts of the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox tradition, is the so-called Jesus Prayer, which goes like this, based on a, a number of portions of Scripture. It goes like this, Lord Jesus Christ, 
Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the believer in the Eastern Orthodox tradition is in, invited to say it multiple times each day until it enters your soul with every breath. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I have to say I find this incredibly helpful to use as part of my daily prayer. I used to be a bit unsure because I thought, well, why should I pray this? Doesn't it undercook the fact that we're already forgiven? But when I pray, I'm not forgetting that Jesus has died for me. I'm not afraid that God will not forgive me. I know that Jesus' death has covered every sin of mine, past, present, and future. But as I pray, I'm reminded that I am daily forgiven. Daily a recipient of God's mercy. I wake every morning with a million pounds in my pocket. Key to the demanding activity of forgiving others is knowing the forgiveness we've already received. So can I encourage you to come daily to God? On your knees isn't a bad idea, physically, if you can manage it. And just remember and repent of your sins. Don't do the trendy thing that's all terribly popular in the world today and apologise for the sins of other people. I'm terribly somebody else did that. Or don't do this classic thing of I regret that you felt any hurt. God, that's not the way to talk to God. Just say sorry. Ask for mercy. And know daily the lavish, extraordinary, unending forgiveness of God in Jesus Christ. Receiving forgiveness is where it starts. Second, recycling forgiveness. Because the second scene takes place outside the throne room somewhere as the servant who's had his debt cancelled meets a fellow servant who owns a much, much smaller amount. It's a comedy scene in a number of ways as the, this first servant <laughs> behaves in an extraordinary way seizing the debtor by his throat, refusing him mercy, throwing him into prison. And as readers, we're quite relieved, aren't we, when the king finds out and this first servant receives his comeuppance. But the point, of course, is this. The forgiven servant behaved like someone who had not received mercy himself. He divorced how he had been treated from how he treated others. Although he had a million pounds in his pocket, he failed to let his colleague off a tenner, even when he asked for mercy. Forgiveness, you see, is meant to be recycled. If all we do is receive forgiveness, take the money, we completely miss the point. In Israel, uh, there's this extraordinary phenomenon, the Dead Sea, that sea 300 metres below sea level, just to the south of Jericho, east of Jerusalem. And the remarkable thing about the Dead Sea, as I've seen over the years, is that water flows in, but it does not flow out. It comes in at the top of the Dead Sea as the, as the River Jordan flows in, but instead of flowing out, it just evaporates leaving a salty sea in which nothing can live. It flows in, 
but it doesn't flow out. That's a picture of what it is when we receive, but we do not pass on forgiveness. This forgiveness is meant to flow through us into the lives of others. We are meant to live as people who have a million pounds in our pocket. We've been forgiven so much so that we can live out forgiveness with others. I used to endure rugby as a boy at school. Um, One thing I remember amidst the feelings of frozen toes, which I can still recall, was something called recycling the ball. Basically, and I'm not an expert, it meant that as soon as you got the ball, you passed it on to somebody as quickly as possible, which struck me as a splendid idea because it meant you couldn't get thumped to the ground by some huge lad. You receive, recycle. Receive, recycle. That's the idea behind recycling forgiveness. We receive, we pass on. As we have been forgiven, so we forgive. Let me just add two further thoughts here. First of all, recycling forgiveness does not mean that there is no need for repentance. Forgiveness is sometimes presented as forgiving anyone who's ever hurt us. Uh, But I think it's rather more complex than that. Here in the story, what's striking is the second servant makes a huge deal of pleading for mercy from the first servant. And it's the, the first servant's failure to respond to that plea for mercy that is his great sin. In other words, forgiveness can sometimes really only be completed when there is repentance offered. It is when there is repentance and yet when forgiveness is still withheld on a permanent basis that the danger really lies. So repentance is still important. Secondly, recycling forgiveness does not mean there is no need for accountability. This parable in chapters 20, in, in verses 21 to 35 of chapter 18 does not negate what Jesus said in verses 15 to 20 about dealing with sin in the church. Just because a church is a community of recycling forgiveness does not mean that people do not need to be held to account. Sometimes churches have to make tough decisions because people are behaving in a way that hurt others. If they repent, then a forgiveness journey can and should be undertaken. But justice is still important. It is a source of deep shame to the Church of England in which I serve that people have used parables such as this one to perpetuate a culture whereby those priests who have engaged in child sexual abuse should simply have a second chance in another parish. That is not recycling forgiveness. Because recycling forgiveness does not mean a failure to hold people to account. Recycling forgiveness, I think, though, comes down to this. And if you remember one sentence from the sermon, it's this. If I'm being forgiven daily, I need to forgive daily. If I'm being forgiven daily, I need to forgive daily. Just as I pray each day, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, so I should be asking myself, God, who do I need to forgive? When a teenager does something stupid and comes to me and says, sorry, 
I'm speaking hypothetically here. Will I quickly forgive? When a student says something badly out of line, again, I'm using my imagination, will I quickly forgive? If I'm being forgiven daily, I need to forgive daily. I'm meant to live like someone with a million pounds in my pocket. I wonder who that is for you. If you are being forgiven daily, you need to forgive daily. Who are you being called to forgive? Someone from the present? Someone from the past? The wonderful news about the Christian faith is that in Jesus Christ we've hit the jackpot. We didn't have to get 15 questions right in a row. We simply come to the throne of grace, kneel in repentance, and find forgiveness washing over us every single day. As we daily live our lives, we do so knowing that we're forgiven. I've always been struck that in the Lord's Prayer, forgiveness comes up alongside bread as the thing we're to play regularly about. Indeed, the petition about forgiveness pretty much sums up this parable. Forgive us our sins, that's the receiving forgiveness bit, as we forgive those who sin against us, that's the recycling forgiveness bit. Jesus clearly sees this as something we need to talk to the Lord about on a regular basis. And I think that might be particularly true in these challenging times that we are all living through. I have had to say sorry lots of times to God and to others over the last few months for decisions that were hasty, communication that was poor, words that were sharp, behaviour that was ungodly. But I've said sorry to the God who daily forgives me. And I've lived in a community where forgiveness is recycled. And so the forgiveness that I've been called, called to show, and I've had to do a bit of that as well, has flowed out from that place of being forgiven. So let me ask two questions as we close. Do you daily receive the forgiveness of God? Will you pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And do you daily recycle the forgiveness of God? Receive and recycle. Let's pray. Our oh Lord, we thank you that this is not a story simply that Jesus told, but a, a story he then lived out. Thank you for his great love poured out for us on the cross. Thank you that we might find our sins forgiven, our debt paid freely, graciously, unendingly. And Lord, help us so daily to have such a grasp of his forgiveness and love that we recycle that forgiveness in all those corners you are calling us to. That we might live as a community where forgiveness is recycled and where Jesus is glorified. For we ask it in his name.
Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.